Bobby and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Glassed. All right, if you want to know the worst of Arizona sports, just ask the McDonough brothers. Ryan McDonough, the man who drafted Devin Booker, endured the worst of Robert Sarver right down to the goat poop in his office. Office And Terry McDonough has now filed an explosive arbitration claim with the NFL that claims Michael Bidwell is even worse than our exiled former Suns owner. Now, these are just allegations that the Cardinals strongly refute, turning the spot light back on McDonough's alleged character flaws, but as Mike Sando just pointed out, if you're accused of being retaliatory and respond by retaliating, what does that seem to suggest? Either way, the Cardinals have become the working definition of NFL dysfunction, from Kyler Murray's contract debacle, to Sean Coogler in Mexico City, to Eno Benjamin, to Steve Kimes' disappearance, to these allegations against Bidwill. Now, where does it all go? That's not entirely clear, but judging by the rhetoric, it might not be pretty. And this comes on the heels of that NFL PA survey where the Cardinals ranked among the worst teams in the league. And so, instead of a honeymoon for the new head coach and GM, the Cardinals are instead being painted as the most troubled team in the NFL. This is depressing, it's alarming, and no matter what is around the corner, the Cardinals clearly need a new culture starting at the very top. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Well, there are a lot of things here where Michael Bidwell essentially is accused by Terry McDonough of creating an environment in which he feels like he bullied employees and he had employees living in fear. He said that there was a survey done at one point in time to conduct essentially what was the workplace environment. And McDonough claimed that Michael Bidwell had that survey intercepted and canceled when he realized the majority of the employees were saying that they worked in fear of him. Now, the Cardinals responded saying that that's not true. They've improved the workplace environment since then, but McDonough has been adamant all along that he's got emails, texts, and evidence of every charge that he submitted in that arbitration claim to Commissioner Roger Goodell today, and he even texted Roger Goodell this afternoon saying, I have all the truth, and it will all come out during arbitration. It's Adam Schefter with more information on the misconduct allegation workplace misconduct allegations made against Michael Bidwell from Terry McDonough. And you mentioned Terry and you mentioned Ryan. Has anybody checked with Sean? Is Sean okay with everything? Yeah. Is Sean doing okay? (laughs) He's back doing hockey. That's going to make him happy. Um, Yeah, this is a mess. It is. And on the heels of it seems frivolous now. We spent some time talking about the NFL PA survey. Man, it seemed to, you know, maybe one of the big problems of this offseason was the condition of the floor in the weight room. Yeah. That's nothing. No. And so this is um, this is really quite something because I think prior to this, we all collectively in Arizona, I think we were all ready to turn the page and ready to kind of, okay, this is our new reality. You've got a new general manager from the outside, new fresh set of eyes, new head coach with an impossibly young staff, but he's got great energy and this new regime. They seem to really vibe on communicating well and clearly and frequently. And so on some levels, you kind of like 
the way this this organization has transitioned. Now, these are accusations that go backwards into the past. But uh, again, if they speak to a, a toxic workplace kind of deal, well, that is something that should be taken seriously because we just went through this with the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there is there is some level to to what you said being very very true. I was I, I, I was fascinated by some of the reaction on social media yesterday. Kyle Odegaard, who used to work in that building, he flat out said, "I feel bad for all the people still there trapped in that toxicity." Lisa Matthews, who used to work in that building responded with prayer emojis and these are people who worked in that building and these are people who know that culture tyron matthew tyron, responded to the uh, times yes. tweet that's thread. right and he said i can vouch for all of this yeah, i worked there. tony jefferson chimed in and again there's disgruntled ex-employees who will who will come out of the woodwork and, and yap in situations like this sure. but it's what Vinny said if this is if this is what the cardinals claim if this is a cash grab from a guy um, uh, whose life's gotten a little sideways, okay, that's one thing. They'll get your chance to prove that or not prove that. But if this is the beginning of a much bigger deal, it's going to be because there are going to be people looking to corroborate what Terry McDonough had to say. Because what Rob, Robert Sarver found out, I believe, was that you can deny and deny and deny and deny and deny and deny and you can hire outside advisors and outside PR firms and you can claim all of this stuff is ridiculous and I can't believe you're doing this to me. Then you get enough people, then then the problem pretty clearly is you. Pretty clearly. Yeah. And because there's not a conspiracy of 200 people against you. And so I think that's what's going to be interesting here. Is this going to be just something that gets okay? Let's pull out the let's pull out the checkbook, or let's pull out the broom and let's sweep this thing away because that would be the the great NFL tradition. But if this is truly if what Terry McDonough is saying is actually accurate, then there's going to be others who raise their hand and say, "Yep, the guy's right." Yeah, I would think so. If if, if these claims are accurate, if this is his consistent with his experience, then I think you are right. But mm-hmm. and I'll look at it, and and you, this might sound Pollyanna, but compare this to the NFLPA survey that came out. We talked about that. Okay, you got really bad marks in this. It's a terrible look in the now for your organization, but you can use it as an opportunity to get better. I don't think Michael Bidwell is going to be forced out of the NFL. Um, no, a lot of people I have been either. talking and trying to make that comparison of the NFL and how it deals with its owners and the NBA. Those are two different organizations. The NBA takes this stuff very seriously. I can't say the same for the NFL, considering the fact that we're 20-plus years into this Daniel Snyder debacle with the Washington Commanders. But with Michael Bidwell, it, it, you know, if there's any shreds of truth to this, if there are other employees that come forward, it's an opportunity to improve. Yes. And again, yes. I admit that sounds Pollyanna, but you know that's kind of where I have to be right now because there's no clarity on this. This is this is two sides accusing the others of of, of pretty terrible things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and and again, I, I pointed out Mike Sando's um, point about retaliation because mm-hmm. I do think that's a very poignant. That is point. a good point. But it's also, but but to the Cardinals' defense, it could also be a sign of of of. 
just a, a proper reaction to what they seem to be a baseless attack. The, the, the intenseness a, uh, or intensity of their response. That's yeah, what you're referring right, to. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was intense. It's, it's uh, uh, Yeah. And as Mike Sandoz said, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in terms of a clap back. Well, Basically saying yeah. you're a bad dad. And, we oh, dug some things up. Uh, and that's a, severe domestic. Insubordinate. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. That soundbite from, from Adam Schefter talks about Terry McDonough indicated to Roger Goodell, look, I've got all the receipts I need for this. The Cardinals probably feel pretty confident in releasing a statement that they did that their receipts are pretty complete as well as you know as filed or it's a on warning do you really want to do this right. maybe maybe you want to go to arbitration how ugly really do you want, want this to yeah, get yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun. So much. When uh, when does training camp start? <laughs> you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, it took 79 games, but the Phoenix Suns finally know their place in the Western Conference. Not everybody can make that claim. We'll get into some NBA talk next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A good work partner knows what you need before you need it. That's how it feels when you work with Cintas. Your dedicated Cintas service reps get to know your business and have the industry knowledge that can help you prepare for what's ahead. They'll deliver your team's workwear freshly laundered. Make sure your first aid and safety supplies, mats, mops, and towels are stocked when you need them. And your fire extinguishers are inspected and in working order. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. Opening day is one of the best traditions in all of sport. I hope to see you at Chase Field on April 6th. There's nothing like it on earth. Thank you, Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm Tim Hovick. We are Santan Ford. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Oh, my foot feels when I wake up. I step out of bed. Um, that's been the most in, uh, important since I've injured it, you know, five weeks ago. You know, that the next day after either rehab or training or, or, or treatment or whatever, it's always that when you step out of bed for the first time in the morning, um, how, how does it feel? Because that's going to dictate the rest of the day. So uh, we see what happens in the morning. It's LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers at 37 points last night. Lakers went overtime to uh, beat the Utah Jazz, and they are 41 and 38. So uh, that's LeBron talking about hey, you got to play tonight, back to backs, a battle of LA, both teams 41 38, Bick. Anthony Davis of the Lakers saying the same thing. I don't know if I'm going to play in the back to back. Is this injury management common sense? Or the Lakers may be looking at, you know what? We'd rather be sixth than fifth. We don't want to take on Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and the yeah. Phoenix Suns in the first round. Yeah, this is uh, so. I so I wonder who would embrace that. So would the Warriors look forward to that? Is that something they would embrace? I, I to me, it's really tricky because you are talking about a basketball team that has yet to lose a game with Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. and and the the winning formula at times it looks very easy, it looks very seamless, it looks very smooth. And if I was an opponent, I'd be a little bit freaked out by it all. Um, so yeah, this is this is going to be quite something because if you mess around and and try to kind of jockey and hover around the six, what if you mess it up and fall to seven? Now, now, now you're in the play-in format. Now, and that's not necessarily that's um, not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But that play-in format's going to have some dangerous teams in it. 
It is, but it's also a dangerous playground to be on. Oh, you yeah. have one bad game, yep. your season could be over. Uh, or two bad games, and your season could be over. It's not like you have the luxury of a full seven-game series to, to correct your mistakes. Golden State is done at home. They won last night. They beat Oklahoma City 136-25. They're 42-38, and so they're a half game ahead of the Clippers and the Lakers going into tonight's action. Uh, they play two more games both on the road at Sacramento, at Portland. You don't know what you're going to get from either one of those teams, but the road has been a very big problem for the Warriors all season long. Uh, you have to question their ability to win games in a regular season setting right now. And, you know, how many guys are they going to play? Andrew Wiggins is about to come back, but is he ready to contribute? Clay Thompson didn't play last night. There is so many moving parts in this final five day stretch of the season. Still, we know the parts one, one through four are not moving. It's Denver, it's Memphis, it's Sacramento, it's the Suns, but spots five through 10 and maybe even down to 12 right now. Whew. Yeah. It is dizzying what's going on in the oh, Western Conference. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it yes, it is. And it's in what the playoffs are going to look like and who's considered dangerous. Uh, it, you can tell from top to bottom that this thing feels wide open. Watching LeBron James play last night, I was watching a guy who really believes he can win a title this year. After After... Probably at some point I'm going, this is absolutely hopeless. I'm going to end up with one asterisk championship in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The Warriors, um, the, that was, it was a riveting game. They played, they got a handful of their own last night and they, they just grabbed control of that game late. And again, they were playing home where they play very, very well. Uh, and, and they look pretty dangerous. So it's, this is going to be, this is going to be a great, Crazy, crazy ride, and it's it's going to it's going to be one of these deals. I bet you, if the Suns can win their first round matchup, and again, it all depends on matchups. But if they win that first round matchup, I think it's going to be against the Warriors or the Lakers. I think it's going to be like two years ago where they're going to sail into the finals. Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. You have that feeling. I do have that feeling. Wow, Uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Going to tonight's game against Sacramento at 37 and 42. They are a half game out there, the 11th team right now. So if the season ended, they'd be done. There was reports earlier in the week, Bick, that the Mavericks were tinkering with the idea of shutting down both Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Um, and there's, you know, there's draft pick reasons for that. If they, if they, you know, it's a top 10 protected pick that could go to New York, depending on on what happens with their playoff status. I begrudgingly do this and you know I, I, I will admit it when it, it begrudges me I have to give Luka Doncic a little bit of credit he said as long as we have a chance to make it into the playoffs I'm, I'm not sitting down I'm going to play that is the proper attitude for mm-hmm. an NBA superstar to have so I give I give Luka credit but you know here we are and the Dallas Mavericks are now 79 games into their season and here was Luca yesterday talking about what they don't have and what they're missing. How much have you guys missed Bronson? <laughs> A lot. I mean, you know, amazing guy, amazing player. You know, for sure. Now he was asked about it, but uh, he he's admitting we admit, we miss Jalen Brunson. Ah. And if you zoom out. There's a lot of speculation on what's going to happen. There was a report earlier in the week that, hey, Kyrie Irving is going to test free agency this summer because he's got that right to do it. 
Dallas gave up a lot to get Kyrie Irving. They thought this was going to be a much better marriage than it's been. The combo has not worked out. But at this point, too, on the Luka front, don't you have to wonder how frustrated he is with Dallas Mavericks ownership and management? I Absolutely. When yeah. you're this far into a season and you're still lamenting the loss of, of an acquisition, they totally screwed up to Jalen Brown. They sure did. And, and that was, uh, he was, he was the reason to me, even more so than Luka, that the Mavericks handled the Suns last year. That might sound ridiculous, but but sitting courtside in Dallas for those for the way they came back, that guy that guy handed Chris Paul his lunch in that series, mm-hmm. and that was that's what turned everything. Um, but again, this is it, it. Sort of provided the template for what the Suns have. It, it this is that's the that's the route to playoff success, and the Mavericks had it, and they let it go. You get two ball dominant elite level scores who can get to the rim and score on anybody. Man, you have you have shortened the bridge to an NBA championship considerably. And that's what the Suns have done by, by adding Devin Booker. Yes. I'm sorry, by adding Kevin, Kevin Durant, Durant to Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And again, we saw another example last night. We'll have more on the Suns in just a bit. Al McCoy is going to join us next. But uh, Suns being able to win games, and yes, it was against San Antonio, a marginalized San Antonio team, but it doesn't all depend on Kevin Durant being brilliant every single night because he did have an off night last night. A couple of other games of note tonight. We mentioned the Lakers and Clippers, uh, Sacramento and Dallas. There's another game. Uh, the Pelicans are right in the mix, maybe for that 5-6 spot. They got a home game against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. Uh, that's pretty much the bulk of what's going on in the, in the Western Conference. But this five days, again, I'll use the word dizzying. Um, just sit back and watch if you're yep. the Phoenix Suns yep. and find out who you're going to uh, who, who you're going to take on in that first round. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. Uh, it's open at 620-620 right now. Also, want to remind you that the legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, announced his retirement effective at the end of the year. We want to hear from you. Text the word Al to 620-620. Submit a video, a thank you Al message. We may even play yours on the air. Once again, just text Al to 620-620. Speaking of Al... The great one. Al McCoy joins us next for his weekly visit. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suzanne, CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. That's the time of the week where we welcome the Hall of Famer, the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, to the program. It's called Al About the Suns, and it happens now as Al joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Al. How are you? Well, good morning. Good morning. Nice to be with you again, guys. Hello, uh, always good to have you. Are you still glowing from your return to the television airwaves last night, Al? <laughs> well, you know, it was kind of funny. Because uh, as uh, many of the followers of the Suns know that in the early days, I did both television Mm -hmm. and radio because we simulcast. And probably for 35 years, uh, I was just as well known on TV as radio. And then we decided not to simulcast any longer. So I guess they thought because of the background, it might be fun to have me... uh, Worked both for a while, and that's what happened last night, and it was fun. Yeah, that's what I grew up on, Al. So I uh, obviously was at the game sitting right in front of you last night. I can't wait to go back and watch it on my uh, DVR to see uh, see how it went. Yeah, it was fun. It went good. And, of course, uh, Eddie Johnson alongside. And uh, when Eddie retired as a player, he wanted to get into broadcasting, and he came to me. We talked about it. 
and he worked with me for several years, and so I'm so proud of Eddie, what he's been able to accomplish since then. No question about yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I love that part of your interaction, Al, and, and I heard from a lot of Suns fans who just loved hearing you on the TV broadcast. I just had to ask myself, why hasn't this been happening on a game-by-game basis for the last 10 years? <laughs> All right, but I'll, I digress. When you told the anecdote about Eddie Johnson, I thought that was great. When, when he wanted to get into broadcasting, what advice did you give him? Because he's clearly turned into one of the best former players turned broadcasters that the NBA has seen. Well, I told him uh, just to learn, uh, to observe, uh, to listen to other analysts, uh, how they approached uh, the game. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he kids me many times because I told him I would let him know when he could talk. And so I would give him the finger when he came in. And Eddie loves to tell the story. He said he worked with me for years, and I still gave him the finger. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Al McCoy, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Suns get a win last night against the very marginalized San Antonio team, but they handled their business. And finally, 79 games into the season, we have some clarity on what their uh, their spot in the uh, postseason will be. They'll be the fourth seed. Uh, what did you take from, from last night's game, Al? Well, I really like the way they played. I like the way they approached the game. Uh, they came out, they controlled the tempo, they moved the basketball, and uh, they were able to show what they can do offensively if you're going to concentrate on certain players. Uh, we didn't have uh, one individual with 40 or 50 points last night. We had six players in double figures. So I like the way they started things offensively, and certainly, uh, I like the way that uh, uh, Devin Booker was able to push the ball when he was handling it. And we have to talk about CP3. Uh, I got a kick out of him particularly because a few games ago, uh, we had had him on our post-game radio show. And I was kidding him about the fact that uh, everyone was saying he had to score more. And, uh, you know, he always has an answer. And he said, hey. The reason I'm not scoring is all those other guys are scoring. Right. I can score the basketball. Uh-huh. And he certainly showed that last night when uh, the defense uh, wanted to concentrate on Booker and on KD. Who was putting the shots up to start the game was Chris Paul. And that's the weapon that the Suns have now. If you're going to double somebody, you're going to pay the price if you're going against the Suns. And they showed every every effort in that direction last night. Yeah, everything you say is so true. There's so many good things to vibe on with what Kevin Durant has done for this entire group. Uh, We're also looking at what might be a really challenging first-round series, maybe the Lakers, maybe the Warriors. What do you think about that? Do you have a preference, Al? Well, I never liked to play the Lakers for many reasons. Uh, you know, you know why? Because uh, let's face it, the NBA wants the Lakers to do well. Uh, the TV networks want the Lakers in there, and sometimes the officials get a little bit overwhelmed with the challenge. So uh, I'd rather not see them go against the Lakers. Other than that, I really don't think it makes any difference. You know, you get to playoff time, you just have to win. And that, that's the bottom line. And I think, as we saw last night with six sons in, in double figures, uh, with the defense stepping up when they had to, uh, I think we've given everybody indication that this club is ready for the playoffs now. And I thought your comment, Vic, was right on. If the Suns can get by this opening round and do it effectively, impressively, 
Uh, I think they're going to be in real good shape. Al McCoy, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. I want to piggyback on what you said about uh, Chris Paul and his performance last night. And I'll go back to what Chris said on his post-game TV interview Sunday against Oklahoma City, Al, when he said he was mad at himself for passing up a lot of open threes in that game. We didn't see that. He was very definitive. When he caught the ball, he shot the ball, and he made three-pointers early last night. And I love to see that from CP3. But I have seen I'm wondering if you've seen the same thing recently. A number of other Suns players, and we don't need to single anybody out, but it seems like there are possessions where a lot of open shots are passed up, and they're maybe too unselfish. Have you seen that at times? And how much well, of, th- does that concern no, you? No, I, I, th- I think that's a good point. I think that happens when you know you have guys that are so adept at mm-hmm. scoring the ball that maybe you're going to give it up a little too much. But that's another thing I liked last night. Torrey Craig came in, yes. double figures, both scoring and rebounding and really made a contribution. Uh, Ten points off for Biombo. He was in double figure scoring again. Uh, so I, I think that's starting to go away a little bit uh, because we've seen other players step up, be in double figure scoring wise, and obviously uh, you're going to need that help playoff time. No you know, question about yeah. it. You know, it, it's funny because Kevin Durant has, has had such a legacy and he's been such a talking point for NBA hot take people and all that. Well, you heard all these reports about drama and moodiness and surliness. The Kevin Durant who's shown up in Phoenix has been none of that. He's been warm and friendly and honest and, and, and caring and he shared the basketball. What do you make of what you've seen from Kevin Durant firsthand so far? Well, I think you are absolutely correct, and I think we have to go back to his early days in Oklahoma City. Uh, He was a favorite in Oklahoma City just for a lot of those reasons, because he was just kind of an average down-to-earth guy and got along great with fans, and that's what they really miss about him, and they're upset he's not there any longer, and I can't blame them for that. Uh, But, you know, you get reputations from who? The media? Well, I hate to bring that up to you two guys, but sometimes (laughs) that does take place. Uh, But you're right. Uh, He certainly has given any indication that that is the type of pass that he brings to the Suns because he's been uh, just terrific. and, And maybe this is opening a new door for him in his career. We'll see. All right, finally, I just want to say, unlike Vinny and me, you still look great on television, man. We, too, we've got faces for radio, brother, but you did great last night, Al. Okay. We'll see well, you, listen, yeah. it, it was fun, and uh, looking forward to uh, these final games and the playoffs. It's a great time of the year, and no matter how long you've been around the NBA, the playoffs are still something extra special. Yes, they are. Al, can't wait for them to start. We'll uh, talk to you next Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Al. Al McCoy, the uh, Hall of Fame voice of the Phoenix Suns. Al about the Suns every Wednesday as he joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, the D-backs had to start their season with a road trip against division juggernauts. And you know what? They come home in pretty good shape after all of it. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The 0-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And the ball game is over. Diamondbacks win it by a final score of 8-6. to six. They split the two-game set, and they come back home with a 500 record at 3-3. Three and three. 
Chris Garagiola on the final call yesterday. D-backs looked bleak when they were down 5-1. They rallied to win at 8-6 over the San Diego Padres. In a game in San Diego, Bick, that had a little bit of everything. You had four stolen bases. You had the Diamondbacks accentuating what they do as a baseball team in terms of you know, chaos on the base paths and small ball and all-out effort by you know Jake McCarthy making that catch. But we also had the Manny Machado situation. Manny Machado gets ejected in the first inning, um, and here's how it sounded on the D-backs radio network. That's a strike. Machado just used his second timeout, and the at-bat is over. Right when he got into the box before the A-B started, he asked for time. Now he uses his second. You can't do that. Automatic strike, and the inning is over. One, two, three, go the Padres in the first. We go to the second. It's the Diamondbacks nothing and the Padres nothing. And Bob Melvin's been ejected. Oh, my goodness. So it wasn't actually Melvin that was ejected. It was Machado no, that was ejected. No, and and I I watched this live and I had a I just I love that moment to no end for a lot of different reasons. And I've been one who I have I have been cheering for automated umpiring. I I have been an umpire. I've been an enemy of the ump, if you will. I hate the an ump show as much as anybody. But something tells me that the the mindset of your average home plate umpire is perfectly designed to actually enforce these rules. Yes. Right? They have no problem being the heavy. And Manny Machado. I get extra authority? All right. Yes. All right. Honey, you're oh, listening yeah. to me now. Ball cop. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and so. You're right up to home plate on a Segway. Exactly. <laughs> and a little helmet. Right. And, and so to me, this is and everything about Manny Machado just dripped. And you use the perfect word, defiance. Almost as if he was in there going, all right. Okay, and they rung him up. Now, some people claim Manny Machado was just calling timeout. I've heard others people say he already used his timeout. Yes. Either way, Manny Machado is one of these guys who is who who does not like these rules at all, and. And I'm, I'm guessing he's not alone. I, I think back to the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and when number 16 first started to be something that players hated, but they knew they shouldn't complain about because the fans loved it. Okay, so players would be muttering under their breath, off the record, to everybody around that this scene at 16, it's the worst thing in the world. You ask them publicly, oh, we love it, we love it, we love it, because they know that's what the crowd loves. Mm -hmm. So I think baseball players are aware that, for the most part, fans are really vibing on this, even if they're not. So it, it takes a special kind of dude to actually act the way Manny Machado does. And well, I'm glad he got sent back. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate for a second. All right. Doesn't what happened in San Diego actually slow the game down more than being lenient with Manny Machado would have? And I go back to the NBA. Like, let's just say there's this innocuous, you know, there's a basket scored. And somebody on the team that scored the basket has the basketball and flips it and, and fl- flips it errantly, and they'll call a delay of game. The calling of the delay of game actually delays the game more than if you would just play through it. Mm. it. It does literally, but it's supposed to be a penalty that stops it from happening in the future. That's what I think. I think you need to you need to establish the zero tolerance. Because, you know, I, I think we all understand that in the World Baseball Classic, the Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout confrontation wouldn't wouldn't have felt the same if it were under pitch clock rules. Imagine if it had ended with a pitch clock violation. <laughs> I, I think I think once the playoffs get here, this is not going to be an issue. And I think they'll I think they'll relax on it because people don't mind the dillying and the dallying in the playoffs. 
It's just during the regular season that that makes it. It's there's just a disconnect. Baseball players don't understand what their sport looks like when they're playing it. I think some of them do. I don't. Do. I don't think it's universal. I All think right. there is truth to what you said. Because I've, you know, there's been baseball players in recent years that are like, yeah, I play the game. It's boring. <laughs> yeah, don't even like it. Who's your favorite player? I don't have one. It's I just the sport. In a way, though, it's almost insulting to fans how well this is working. Because when you're shaving off what twenty minutes, thirty Nearly minutes, thirty per, minutes, yep, thirty minutes per game, mm-hmm. just by doing this, and essentially the stats are the same, the scores are the same, everything is twenty-seven the same. outs it just, per side. It just shows you how much time these players were wasting. What they have, before yes. this came out, Buster and how they could have just yeah. played like this the whole time with almost exactly. nothing changing. Buster only said it best: they're trimming nothing but fat from the game, but. That's the, the, the. What do you think of fat, Jarrett? Oh, it's so, oh, it's so you're, good. You ever have a bone marrow uh, <laughs> thing with a little spoon? You you gonna, num, hey, num, you num, eat num, your fat. You're going to eat your fat <laughs> spoolding. But, but we're sitting here kind of advertising the fact that this is universal among fans. It's not. I've heard from fans that hate it. Oh, come on. And the reason why Who this. hate it. But this used to be the way the game was played. There wasn't all this dilly-dallying, and it no. goes back like 40, 50 years when guys became aware of, oh, I need to adjust my batting gloves. I need to step out after every you know, a- after mm-hmm. every pitch, and they, yeah. they let it go. But those guys were, those players were the exceptions. They weren't the rule, and those types of players became the rule as opposed to the exception. I'm gonna, you're almost refreshed now. Somebody put this up on on social media a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was an at bat from Joey Votto, and it was ten years ago, and Joey Votto you know fouled off several pitches. He never got out of the box, and it was jarring to see at the time mm-hmm. because you're just conditioned at that point of baseball to have. Joey Votto, whoever the hitter was, yeah. parade around home plate and grab the dirt and rub it into the gloves and adjust the batting gloves and maybe give you know the old uh, the old athletic supporter a little Hello. tug or an adjustment. Hat tip to you, Steve Finley. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it it was jarring to see. But that that's the way baseball used to be played. It is the way that baseball used to be played, and and I think that. Uh, so much of this, so much of the fat that's come into the game has just been process driven. Athletes now are coached by their personal coaches, develop a process. I'm going to tell you where this is becoming a problem, not to drop another golf analogy, but a new generation of golfers, as great as they are, all of them now have these lengthy putting processes. Mm-hmm. And they all look the same, and they're all. It's going to do to the sport what what dilling in baseball does to the sport. We're going to have a putt clock. Guarantee, yes. Golfers can already be put on a clock, but these what they're doing with putting processes, it's it's ridiculous, my opinion. Same thing with baseball. You don't need to readjust batting gloves in between every pitch. They're still going to do their job. Yeah. Sometimes the athletic supporter does need to be adjusted. I get that. We've all been there. We've all. But, the, but stepping out of the box, you don't need to do it. Sometimes you just got to move stuff around. I'm uh, not supporting the the old athlete there. <laughs> What'd you say, Jared? I didn't hear you. No, I said sometimes it's not supporting the old athlete. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> D-backs will be home to take on the Dodgers for their home opener of 2023, and you could win lower-level tickets for tomorrow's home opener against those guys in blue. Just text BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Once again, that's BASEBALL to 620-620. Coming up next, 9 o'clock, we had some social studies with Sarah Cazell. Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Yachin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.